Chapter 4 of The Dark Other This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mary Maxwell The Dark Other by Stanley G. Weinbaum Chapter 4 The Transfiguration the car slid smoothly along a straight white road that stretched ahead into the darkness like an earthbound Milky Way. In the dim distance before them, red as Antares, glowed the taillight of some automobile. Except for this lone evidence of humanity, reflected Pat, they might have been flashing through the cosmic depths of interstellar space, instead of following a highway in the very shadow of Chicago. The colossal city of the lake shore was invisible behind them, and the clustering suburbs with it. "'Queer, isn't it?' said Pat, after a silence. "'How contented we can be with none of the purchased amusement people crave. Shows, movies, dancing, and all that.' "'It doesn't seem queer to me,' answered Nick. "'Not when I look at you here beside me.' "'Nice of you,' retorted Pat. "'But it's never happened to me before.' She paused, then continued, how do you like the doctor? How does he like me? That's considerably more to the point, isn't it? He thinks you're nice, but, let's see, introverted, repressed, and ill-adjusted to your environment. I think those were the points. Well, I like him in spite of your maneuvers and in spite of him being a doctor. What's wrong with being a doctor? Did you ever read Tristam Shandy was Nick's irrelevant response? No, but I read the newspapers. What's the connection, Pat? Just as much connection as there is between the evils of being a doctor and reading Tristram Shandy. I know that much about the book, at least. You're nearly right, laughed Nick. I was just referring to one of Tristram's remarks on doctors and lawyers. It fits my attitude. What's the remark? Well, he had the choice of professions, and it occurred to him that medicine and law were the vulture professions, since lawyers live by men's quarrels and doctors by men's misfortunes. So he became a writer. And what do writers live by, queried Pat mischievously, by men's stupidity? You're precious, Pat, Nick chuckled delightedly. If I created you to order, I couldn't have planned you more to taste. Pepper, Tabasco sauce, vinegar, spice, and honey. And to be taken with a grain of salt, retorted the girl, puckering her piquant, impish features. She edged closer to him, locking her arm through his where it rested on the steering wheel. Nick, she said, her tones suddenly gentle. I think I'm pretty crazy about you. Heaven knows why I should be, but it's a fact. Pat, dear, I'm crazy about you in this meek, sensitive pose of yours, and I'm fascinated by those masterful moments you flash occasionally. Really, Nick, I almost wish you flamed out oftener. Don't, he said sharply. Why not? Let's not talk about me, Pat. It embarrasses me. All right, Mr. Modesty. Let's talk about me, then. I'll promise we won't succeed in embarrassing me. And it's quite the most interesting subject in the world, Pat. Well, then? What? Why don't you start talking? The topic is all attention. He chuckled. How many men have told you you were beautiful, Pat? I never kept account. And in many different ways? Why, have you, perchance, discovered a new way, Nick? Not at all. The oldest way of any, the way of Sappho and Pindar. Ooh, she clapped her hands in mock delight. Poetry. 
the only medium that could possibly express how lovely you are said nick nicholas have you gone and composed a poem to me composed no it isn't necessary with you here beside me what's that some very subtle compliment not subtle pat you're the poem itself all i need do is look at you listen to you and translate neat applauded the girl do i hear the translation you certainly do he turned his odd amber-green eyes on her then bent forward to the road he began to speak in a low voice in no far country's silent ways shall i forget one little thing the soft intentness of your gaze the sweetness of your murmuring your generously tender praise the words just hinted by a breath in no far country's silent way unless that country's name be death he paused abruptly and drove silently onward oh breathed pat why don't you go on nick please no it isn't the mood for this night dear not this night alone with you what is then nothing sentimental something lighter something oh elizabethan that's it and what's stopping you lack of an available idea or wait listen a moment he began this time in a tone of banter when mornings you attire yourself for riding in the city you're such a lovely little elf extravagantly pretty and when at noon you deign to wear the habit of the town i cannot call to mind as fair a symphony in brown then evenings you blithely don a daintness of white to flash a very paragon of lightsomeness and light but when the rounds of pleasure cease and you retire at night the godling on your mantelpiece must know a fairer sight sweet laughed pat but personal and anyway how do you know i have a godling on my mantel don't you credit me with any modesty if you haven't you should have the vision i mentioned ought to enliven even a statue well said the girl i have one a jade buddha and with all the charms i flash before him nightly he's never batted an eyelash explain that easily he's green with envy and frozen with admiration and struck dumb by wonder heavens i suppose i ought to be thankful you didn't say he was petrified with fright pat laughed oh nick she continued in a voice gone suddenly dreamy this is marvelous isn't it i mean our enjoying ourselves so completely and our being satisfied to be so alone why we've never even danced together so we haven't that's a subterfuge we haven't needed isn't it it is replied the girl dropping her glossy gleaming black head against his shoulder and besides it's much more satisfactory to be held in your arms in private instead of in the midst of a crowd and sitting down instead of standing up but i should like to dance with you nick she concluded we'll go dancing then whenever you like you're delightfully complacent nick but you're puzzling she glanced up at him you're so so reluctant here we've been driving an hour and you haven't tried to kiss me a single time and yet i'm quite positive you care for me lord pat he muttered you never need doubt that then what is it are you so spiritual and ethereal or is my attraction for you just sort of intellectual or are you afraid as he made no reply she continued or are those poems you spout about my physical charms just poetic license they're not and you know it he snapped you've a mirror haven't you and other fellows than i have taken you around haven't they oh i've been taken around 
That's what perplexes me about you, Nick. I'd think you were actually afraid of kissing me if it weren't. Her voice trailed into silence, and she stared speculatively ahead at the ribbon of road that rolled steadily into the headlight's glare. She broke the interval of wordlessness. What is it, Nick? she resumed almost pleadingly. You've hinted at something now and then. Please, you don't have to hesitate to tell me. I'm modern enough to forgive things past, entanglements, affairs, disgraces, or anything like that. Don't you think I should know? You'd know, he said huskily, if I could tell you. Then there is something, Nick. She pressed his arm against her. Tell me, isn't there? I don't know. There was the suggestion of a groan in his voice. You don't know. I can't understand. I can't either. Please, Pat, let's not spoil tonight. If I could tell you, I would. Why, Pat, I love you. I'm terribly, deeply, solemnly in love with you. And I with you, Nick. She gazed ahead where the road rose over the arch of a narrow bridge. The speeding car lifted to the rise like a zooming plane. And suddenly, squarely in the center of the road, another car, until now concealed by the arch of the bridge, appeared almost upon them. There was a heart-stopping moment when a collision seemed inevitable, and Pat felt the arm against her tighten convulsively into a bar of steel. She heard her own sobbing gasp, and then, somehow, they had slipped unscathed between the other car and the rail of the bridge. Oh, she gasped faintly. Then, with a return of breath, that was nice, Nick. Beyond the bridge, the road widened once more. She felt the car slowing, edging toward the broad shoulder of the road. There was danger, said her companion in tones as emotionless as the rasping of metal. I came to save it. Save what? queried Pat as the car slid to a halt on the turf. Your body. The tones were still cold like grinding wheels. The beauty of your body. He reached a thin hand toward her, suddenly seized her skirt and snatched it above the silken roundness of her knees. There he rasped. That is what I mean. Nick! Pat half screamed in appalled astonishment. How? She paused, shocked into abrupt silence for the face turned toward her was but a remote evil caricature of Nicholas Devine's. It leered at her out of bloodshot eyes, as if behind the mask of Nick's face peered a red-eyed demon. End of chapter 4